Hello, and welcome to Between the Stacks, a podcast created and produced by the Odell Public Library. I'm Emily Lenore. Hi, I'm Krista Mapes. Hi, everyone. I'm Gillian Larson. On this episode of Between the Stacks, we celebrate Poetry Month and Independent Bookstore Day, plus our segments Tech Talk and Ask a Librarian. But first, some announcements. Library cards for kids. If you have any questions about this or would like to apply for a card, please give us a call or email us. And we still have one fireside chat left. So the Odell Public Library friends have generously sponsored 25 tickets to the following virtual fireside chat. Author, author Alex Koltlowitz, May 6th, 2021 at 7 p.m. Registration is required for this ticketed virtual event. Please reserve your place by completing the Google form found in the description of this episode. Patrons are welcome to suggest questions for the author up to 10 days prior to the event by emailing ask.odell.library at gmail.com. We'd love to hear about what you're reading, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Fill out the Google form to submit a book review, which is linked in the description of this episode. We'll post reviews on our bulletin board at Odell and may even feature a review or two in a future Between the Stacks episode, with your permission. Virtual story time takes place each Wednesday evening from 7 to 7.30 p.m. on Facebook Live. Snuggle up with your young people and enjoy theme stories, songs, and rhymes with Miss Katie each week. Storytime videos remain posted online for two weeks, so watch anytime. Odell has Discovery Book Packs available, so these themed backpacks make checkout a breeze for families on the go. Each pack includes five to seven books, early literacy tips and activities, and a non-electronic toy. Available topics include butterflies, flashlights, cats, dogs, ABCs, and construction, with many more on the way. Odell has had a change of hours. We have combined our curbside and appointment hours together, so our new hours are as follows. Monday, 10 to 2. Tuesday, 10 to 6. Wednesday is curbside only from 5 to 7. Thursday, 10 to 6. And Saturday, 10 to 2. Odell Public Library has Niobe Zoo and Putnam Museum passes available for checkout. Please note that you may need to call and reserve a time to visit per the organization's pandemic guidelines. The Morrison Garden Club coloring contest is going on right now, so children ages 2 to 10 are invited to participate now through May 5th. Winners receive a basket of garden supplies and a K&R gift card. Coloring sheets may be picked up at Odell, or you can click on the link in the episode description. The Loft is holding a sale in Odell's parking lot on Sunday, May 23rd from 1 to 4 p.m. Watch The Loft's Facebook page for more information. So we have a couple community pick form reviews. We finally got enough to kind of have a little segment now to talk about community book reviews. Both of these come from a wonderful patron, Anne Frame. She is a member of the board. She's a member of the friends group, and she is a wonderful patron of Odell. She comes in and uh, she's just wonderful. I love Anne Frame. She's a real go-getter. She's a real go-getter. She's so funny. And uh, she's just so supportive of of everything that we have going on at the library. So she wrote both of these book reviews. Anne Frame uh, reviewed this book called The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. And the questions are as follows that she filled out. What did you enjoy about this book? She wrote, the story centers on Elsa, her marriage, children, parents-in-law, and the Dust Bowl of the 1930s in the Great Plains. Because of needing a life for her children, Elsa heads to California, where life is supposed to be wonderful. 
Here, she sees another type of poverty, tent communities, backbreaking work for low wages, and scorn. However, she learns much about herself. Why should others read this book? Miss Anne Frame says, even though the book is fiction, Miss Hannah based it on her research of the 1930s and the happenings of the Dust Bowl and its consequences. Well, that sounds very interesting. Yeah. And I know a lot of people have already checked out that book. I so. know. I've been asked a lot of questions about it, too. Like, have you read this? I'm like, no, I haven't. But Anne Frame did. <laughs> so you can catch this. Each, each of these book reviews is like a little poster on our bulletin board. So if you're ever inside the library, you can head on over to the bulletin board and read some of these. The second book that Anne Frame reviewed, we've actually talked about on this podcast quite a bit. It's The Warmth of Other Suns by Isabel Wilkerson. I know it appeared in our like February podcast about Black History Month and in a couple other book reviews. I think Melissa Nybor even mentioned this book yeah, was one of her did. favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so evidently Anne Frame really liked it. She wrote, I thought I knew a lot about the migration of African Americans to the North, but this book certainly proved to me how little I knew. This is a historic book based on three real life people from various time periods, the 1920s, the 1940s, and the 1950s. Her research tells their story of where they came from, where they went, and why they left, and what they found. In between is some of Miss Wilkerson's research for that time period. This was a book I could not put down. What a read. And why should others read this book? She says, we all need to be aware of what others have gone through, especially in the African-American community. So thank you, Anne Frame, for both of those awesome reviews. Again, if you, if anybody listening wants to leave a review, we have the, the form posted in the episode description and on our Facebook and everything. It doesn't take much time. It's just a couple of questions about the book. And yeah, and we would love to hear what you have to say about books. So Yeah, I love talking about books. Exactly. That's why we have this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you, Anne Frame. We got the results in for our last matchup. So we officially know who is going to be in the championship. So John Grisham won over Nicholas Sparks with 83% of the vote. Nicholas Sparks had 16.7% and he only had one vote in total. And then Janet Ivanovich beat Debbie McComer. Debbie McComer had 28.6% of the vote and Janet Ivanovich had 71.4%. So Janet Ivanovich winning over Debbie McComber does not surprise me, but but John Grisham winning over Nicholas Sparks really does surprise me. So it, it's going to be interesting who wins between John Grisham and Janet Ivanovich. I don't know if I should make any predictions, but if I had to make a prediction, I think... I think I would go with John Grisham because he is known as America's favorite storyteller. Mm-hmm. And his books appeal to a pretty wide audience. And I would say Janet Ivanovich, her, like her best known series is the 70 Plum novels, mm-hmm. which may not have as wide of a draw as John Grisham's books. But I think they're very good. They're, they're both very good authors. And to have made it this far is really something because out of the 64s are our final two so it's they've both done a great job and yeah it'll be interesting to see who wins between these two yes it's kind of like two kind of opposite authors to have for our final yeah yeah i have to agree with what you said too because janet ivanovich really 
zeroes in on like mystery telling Mm -hmm. and john grisham is just a bit wider with his book topics so it'll be really interesting so on our next episode we will have the results of the championship but this week please vote in the championship round we will have the google doc listed in the description of this episode to cast your votes and may the best author win <laughs> Woo! <laughs> so odell has just finished our april book order and here with an exclusive interview to talk about what books we just got into our collection we have krista mapes hey krista thanks for being here with us today yeah exclusive interview you know i i didn't help introduce this podcast or anything no 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 you haven't been here the entire time <laughs> So uh, talk about the April book order for us. What new books do we get? So one of the adult nonfiction books that we have coming in is called The Light of Days, the untold story of women resistance fighters in Hitler's ghettos by Judy Batalon. One of the most important stories of World War II, already optioned by Steven Spielberg for a major motion picture, a spectacular searing history that brings to light the extraordinary accomplishments of brave Jewish women who became resistance fighters, a group of unknown heroes whose exploits have never been chronicled in full until now. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, now we get into some adult fiction books. We've got Turn a Blind Eye by Jeffrey Archer. A Gambling Man by David Baldacci. The Venice Sketchbook by Reese Bowen. The Nine Lives of Rose Napolitano by John Grisham. A Distant Shore by Karen Kingsbury. When the Stars Go Dark by Paula McLean. And according to the New York Times book review, this book is the kind of heart-pounding conclusion that thriller fans crave. In the end, a book Full of Darkness lands with a message of hope. Country Proud by Linda Lee Miller is another book. Pieces by Helen Oyemi. Entertainment Weekly says this book is enchanting. The most surprising, confounding, and oddly insightful couple's trip in recent literary history. We've also got Animal Instinct by David Rosenfeld, Miss Julia Happily Ever After by Anne B. Ross. I'm sure a few of our patrons are going to be happy about that book. Oh, yeah. Ocean Prey by John Sanford, Finding Ashley by Danielle Steele, The Last Night in London by Karen White. And I just realized something. Hmm. I don't think James Patterson had a book out this month. (laughs) That's perfect. Whatever shall we do? I'm Hold just, we'll see it was a random thought. I'm no James Patterson books. I don't think so. I'm and heartbroken. If, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm going to move on to some children books now. We've got Ivy and Bean Get to Work by Annie Burrows. Eru Shah and the City of Gold by Roshani Chokshi. This is book four of the Pandava series, and Cricket's review states that Chakshi spins a fantastical narrative that seamlessly intertwines Hindu cosmology and folklore, feminism, and witty dialogue for an uproarious novel for young readers. And then finally, Phoebe and Her Unicorn, volume 13, Unicorn Famous by Donna Simpson. 
Thank you, Krista, for sharing the April book order with us. And if you'd like to check it out, you can scroll to the bottom of our webpage where we have the new release form. And uh, you can also access it through Prairie Cat and on our Facebook. Yeah. And if you like any of these books so much that you need to read it first, feel free to adopt a book or put it on hold. So the month of April is National Poetry Month, and we want to discuss some poetry books and authors with the podcast today. Emily, would you like to start with some poetry books that you pulled from our stacks? So I picked out four novels that are written in verse. A couple of them are a couple of them are recent additions to the library. The first one is White Rose by Kip Wilson. And it's based on a true story of Nazi resistance. Sophie Scholl was a girl who was part of the White Rose organization in Nazi Germany. She was executed at age 19, I believe, for being resistant to the Nazis. This book retells the incredible true story of Sophie Scholl, a young activist who put her life on the line as she tried to rally her fellow Germans against a fascist regime. This novel asks a most difficult question that remains timely today. What would you risk not for your own freedom, but someone else's? And um, that's the one of the books we bought for the friend with the friends oh, money. The friend, yeah, yes, the friends it is. The, the young adult revamp money. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, so I saw it was it was new in December. Yes. Another one is Solo by Kwame Alexander. He also writes a lot of other novels in verse. This one is about Blade, and he is the son of Rutherford Morrison, a washed-up rock star and drug addict with delusions of a comeback. And he has a girlfriend, but her parents have forbidden their relationship. And so he's facing two unimaginable realities, the threat of losing his girlfriend forever and the revelation of a long-held family secret, one that leaves him questioning everything he thought was true. All that remains is a letter and a ticket to Ghana, both of which could bring Blade the freedom and love he's been searching for or leave him feeling more adrift. This is kind of interesting because the main character writes songs and things. So there are the songs this character has written in the book. And also the the poems of him going through life and things. And also some text messages sprinkled in to kind of help you understand the context of things. And then the last uh, novel in verse I have is The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. She also writes a lot of other like novels in verse. And this one is about Ziomara Batista. She feels unheard and unable to hide in her Harlem neighborhood, but she has plenty she wants to say, so she pours her frustrations into the pages of a leather notebook, reciting the words to herself like prayers, especially after she catches feelings for a boy in her biology class. But her mother has the determination to force her daughter to obey the, lo- obey the laws of the church. Ziomara understands her thoughts are best kept to herself. She's invited to join her school's slam poetry club, but she knows that she can never get around her mother's rules to attend, much less speak her words out loud, but still she can't stop thinking about performing her poems. In spite of a world that may not want to hear her, Ziamara refuses to be silent. This is another really good book that I had to read for class. Oh, cool. (laughs) It looks like it was also donated by the Friends as part of our young adult section. So... 
Okay, and then I have one more, like, actual kind of, like, it's a poetry book. This is The Hill We Climb by Amanda Gorman. This is the poem she wrote and read at the inaugural... The inauguration that happened this past January. The poem she read and performed in um, is the book. It's the only thing in the book. The foreword by Oprah Winfrey. I didn't realize that she quotes George Washington a farewell address that <gasps> Hamilton would have That's wrote. That's like your favorite thing. Scripture tells us to envision that everyone shall sit under their own vine and fig tree and no one shall make them afraid. And I think it is very cool. She became the sixth poet and the youngest poet to deliver a poetry reading at the a presidential inauguration. So that's very neat. So I picked out uh, three books. I have them right here. Uh, the first one is called Good Morning, Good Night, Little Pep Talks for Me and You. And it's written by Lin-Manuel Miranda. For those of you who don't know, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a playwright, uh, director, composer. actor, composer, rapper. I mean, he does everything. And he wrote the Tony Award winning musical Hamilton. And starred as and starred as the main character alexander hamilton. hamilton he also wrote in the heights and he's uh just like a big the big moana Broadway. soundtrack i forgot he did moana he was in the fantastic pbs kids show electric company emily is a very big fan of the manuel miranda and actually i'm gonna read the inside of this little book It says, before he inspired the world with Hamilton and was catapulted into international fame, Lin-Manuel Miranda was inspiring his Twitter followers with words of encouragement at the beginning and end of each day. He wrote these original sayings and poetry for himself as much as for others. But as Miranda's audience grew, these messages took a life on of their own. Now, Miranda has gathered the best of his daily greetings into a beautiful collection illustrated by acclaimed artist and fellow Twitter favorite, Johnny Sun. Full of comfort and motivation, good morning, good night is a touchstone for anyone who needs a quick lift. You, you open the book up, the left side is good morning, and the, the right side is good night. So I want to read a little cute one. This is on page eight. <gasps> page eight. Good morning. Lead with gratitude. The air in your lungs, the sky above you. Proceed from there. Good night. Curl up with gratitude. For the ground beneath you, your beating heart. Proceed from there. And it's just, I mean, it's, I checked it out. I had it for a really long time and I just really enjoyed flipping through it. And it's, it's wholesome. It's encouraging. And I just feel like Lin-Manuel Miranda personally came and gave me a hug. Cool. So it's very nice. It's very cute. Uh, the next book of poetry that I picked out is Milk and Honey by Rupi Kaur. And I really like this. It's, it's more mature and I will read the, the inside of it. It says, Milk and Honey is a collection of poetry about love, loss, trauma, abuse, healing, and femininity. It is split into four chapters. Each chapter serves a different purpose, deals with a different pain, heals a different heartache. Milk and Honey takes readers through a journey of the most bitter moments in life and finds sweetness in them because there is sweetness everywhere if you are just willing to look. Like, the information about the book is written in free verse poetry, and it is so beautiful. Some some poems in here are really long about the author's personal experiences. Some are just, like, a couple words. And the illustrations, I find, are really, really cool to look at. I kind of want to get a tattoo of, like, each of them because they're so pretty. So a poem that I have from Milk and Honey that I want to read is on page 171. Sorry, I, like, cite my sources. Our backs tell the stories, no books have the spine to carry. Women of color. 
boom. So it's wow. it's super good. The last poetry book that I have is a collection of Emily Dickinson poems. One of my favorites is in the the nature section of this book, or poems about nature. This is poem 97. It is X-C-V-I-I. To make a prairie, it takes a clover and one bee. One clover and a bee and a reverie. The reverie alone will do if bees are few. Krista, what poetry books do you have to talk about? So I just decided to dedicate my poetry segment to an author called Shel Silverstein. One of my favorite poets. I remember being read The Giving Tree mm-hmm. to at night by my older sister, Sarah. Aww. Like I would request that book every single night. That is so cute. I love that book so much. I like that book too. So I also remember in the second grade in Mrs. Scott's classroom <laughs> where we had to recite a poem out of a Shel Silverstein's poetry book mm-hmm. and have to like reenact it. So wait, like, did you find the one that you had to reenact? In no, I didn't. Aww. It was uh babysitting. That's what the poem's called. And I can't remember what it all had in there, but it was babysitting. Cute. And I had to sit on a baby doll. Did you have to memorize this? Yes. Really? I had to memorize it in wow. the second grade. That's intense. And I just, I remember looking it up. I think it was just last semester because we had a poetry section in one of my classes. Mm-hmm. And is it called The Sitter? Yes. It's in The Light in the Attic. The Light. I, That's we the don't one have, you didn't grab. It's the one I didn't grab. I can, but I love that book. What are you doing? The Sitter. Mrs. McTwitter, the babysitter. I think she's a little bit crazy. She thinks a babysitter is supposed to sit upon the baby. (laughs) And that was the sitter as performed by Shel Silverstein. That's amazing. Yeah, I remember having to read that in class and then sit on a baby doll. And I thought it was so long in the second grade, but as you guys can see, it's like it's, 20 seconds, not it's even. It's so short. Cute, though. But it was super cute. Mm-hmm. And then I also have one other poem by him that I really enjoy, and I'll tell you why in just a moment. It's called Oops and Where the Sidewalk Ends. Down, upside, out, come all poems my found I can't but try do I around all them turn not can I down upside out come all poems my Aww. and the reason why I love this so much My is because all come out upside down it's upside down like the illustration is a child hanging upside down in a tree so if you read this backwards Mm -hmm. it says my poems all come out upside down. I cannot turn them all around. I do try, but can't I found my poems all come out upside down. That is so cute. It's just really neat. And it's I love it. That's adorable. So, yeah. So what are all the books that you have in that oh. Shel Silverstein? So, Where the Sidewalk Ends, and I think... This is the one he's, like, most popular for. Okay. Everything on it. 
The Giving Tree, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Runny Rabbit. There's also The Light in the Attic. I think The but Light in the Attic was my favorite one. When I- that one, I believe, was one of my favorites as well. Mm-hmm. But we don't have it on the shelf, apparently. Oh. We do have a couple of Shel- uh, Silverstein books in the adult nonfiction section mm. as well. So it could be I there. did not look there, so it's possibly it's there. So My favorite, besides The Giving Tree, was... There was a poem about, I remember, I remember being a little kid and like flipping through all the books and stuff and looking at the pictures because I couldn't read yet. Yeah. And I remember there was one where a girl ate a whale, but it took her until she got old. So like on the first page, there was a picture of a little girl with like a huge whale on a plate. And then the other picture was her as a little old lady and like a huge pile of bones because it took her that long to eat the whale. It was cute. That's so cute. Mm -hmm. Concludes our segment in which we talk about poetry books that we enjoy. Next up, we have Tech Talk. So we received a question recently about our renewal services and exactly how people can order books online. So we do have renewal services at Odell. If you have a couple books checked out that you want to keep longer than the initial two-week period, you can renew it once, no matter what. And then if you want to renew it a second time to get six weeks out of a book, it gets a little sticky because there, there could be other holds on the item. But usually, yes, you can renew things once, no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. We do have interlibrary loan services. So what that means is is that if we don't have a book at Odell, we can always order it from another one. And it'll be here soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's no particular time in which those books have to get here by. We do get those shipments on Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How many libraries are are we connected to in Northern Illinois? It's like a hundred and... Six, 164 I don't have the exact number but it's I mean, a lot you of have a whole bunch of libraries to pick from if, if we don't have a book that you really really want we can always order it also if that book doesn't exist in the initial system we also can order books throughout the state of Illinois through a system called like WorldCat OCLC yeah. which is always fun it's a little bit different I think the time you get it is a little bit different The format is a little bit different. Usually they come from like college libraries and stuff Mm -hmm. throughout Illinois. Also, if your book is so specific, if you have a very, very unique book and nowhere in Illinois has it, there is a way that we can order things from different states. However, there is a fee for that. Yeah. You would have to pay for the postage for that library Mm -hmm. to send it to us and then for us to send it back to that library. Mm -hmm. And those costs are obviously going to be different depending on which state it's coming from and how big of a book it is. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. another another question we get quite often is how do I pair my Kindle or my tablet to my Libby account or my Encore account? And if, if you ever have a specific question like that, I would just advise you to bring your tablet into the library and we can always personally take time and show you how to hook up your Libby account to your tablet and your phone and everything. All right, and that concludes our Tech Talk segment. April 24th is National Independent Bookstore Day. Here with us is Carolyn Chin, the owner of a local independent bookstore. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for joining us. Would you mind introducing yourself? I'm Carolyn Chin Dunphy, and 
I'm the owner now of Books on First in Dixon, Illinois, right downtown. We're the only independent bookseller in a, a very large radius. Could you give us a little bit of background of Books on First? Well, Books on First, my husband and I st- uh, started it in October of 1998, and it was more than three years in the making. We would go on vacation or travel somewhere, and we would visit small bookstores and get ideas, and we would go to trade shows and things. And, and we finally, we stood on the corner of downtown Dixon because my husband Larry, he, who passed away in 2019, he says, well, you know, it has to be someplace like a county seat where there'd be visitors coming in and there'd be offices here and like the courthouse or something and a hospital so that there'd be visitors, people coming into town, but not someplace like Chicago, which was full of things and and high rent and we wanted to be able to establish ourselves. So we happened to be standing on the corner in Dixon and said, this is where we want it. and then approximately a year or so after that, we were able to buy the building that we were interested in, which is like right on the corner of First and Hennepin in downtown Dixon. And if you stand quite at the corner window, you can look down Hennepin and see the riverfront because Dixon is right on the Rock River. So we started as an independent bookstore. We're still an independent bookstore. And we knew that it couldn't just be a bookstore. And so we knew that having a coffee house inside was also very important to drive traffic. Can you explain a little bit of why you wanted to open a bookstore in the first place? Well, my story was that when I was in college, I had uh, gone home for spring break with uh, a friend who lived in Boston. And at the time, and we visited a, a place that was really thriving, and it was called the Harvard Bookstore Cafe. And I just thought, oh, this is the coolest thing. I mean, it was a bookstore, but they had a cafe, and there was, like, tables everywhere, and everyone was just hanging out. I mean, it was a little bit more involved than we are. Like, they had sandwiches and everything, but I just thought, this is the coolest thing. I just wish I had something like this in my future. And then I forgot about it. I forgot about it for years, you know, (laughs) like maybe a couple of decades. And then I was visiting friends in Madison, Wisconsin. And I don't think they had a bookstore coffee house at the time, but there was just something about that college town vibe that suddenly brought up that memory of Boston. So then I just said, oh, wow, this, this is something I really have to think about now. I have to really pursue. And at the time, I knew my husband, Larry. He was not my husband at that point. And we always joke that I agreed to marry him when he agreed to open up this bookstore coffee house. So what are some of the challenges of operating an independent bookstore? Well, you know, it, a lot has changed over the years. When we first opened, there was still some very, very big chain bookstores. 
which has like borders, if you remember it. I don't know if mm -hmm. you're old enough to. And of course, there was Barnes and Noble. And then, of course, at that time, Amazon.com was starting up. Mm. But a lot of people at that point didn't really trust the internet. So Amazon.com became a really great resource for us because people would research things and then they would print it out and they would come to us and they would ask if we could get that book. It was a challenge in that we had a lot of big competition and we couldn't get the same pricing that a lot of people did. Like if you walked into a big chain bookstore, you'd see these huge pyramids of, of books and everything like that. And we, you know, we couldn't afford to do that. We really basically bought like one copy of a book at a time. But I think we had an advantage also because people were really, really proud that we were there in Dixon. It was almost like having a, a sports stadium being built in your town or something. It was a destination. It was a place that people can feel proud of. Gotcha. We always said that, you know, selling books is not going to make you rich. And it's not only not going to make you rich, it's not even going to keep you in those habits like eating. And <laughs> so I, I think what we always said to people was to have to make sure you had a, a couple of years worth of, of savings. Because starting a bookstore, you know, you, you wanted to try to get some relationships with like the big distributors, the big publishers, or not so big, people that, that you felt like had your back. And there are, there is currently, there was back then more than one, but currently there's really only one big distributor in the country. And, and then there are some smaller, what they call publishing reps that will represent more than one publisher and I work with one of those too. And then then you could like work directly with, with publishers. And it, things have changed over the years. I, I've been in business, we've been in business since 1998, so that's you know 23 years. So things have changed, the minimums have changed, and like they've gone up, they've gone down, you know, what, what to do to get free freight, you know, and which is really, a big deal when you're talking about books because they're very, very heavy. So what kinds of books can people buy from you? Well, we call ourselves a general um, interest bookstore. So we sell all types of books, but we specialize in Reagan, of course, because Dixon is the boyhood home of Ronald Reagan. He lived a good amount of years there with his brother and his mother. But we also specialize in all of Midwest history. We have a lot, a lot of books on the prairie because Natusa Grasslands is nearby. And we also are very, very big on children's learning. So we have educational toys. We have educational books. We also have not like serious, serious art artists art supplies but we have enough art supplies that's good for the beginner mm -hmm. so but we like to say we're a general bookstore
Awesome. I went to your bookstore, I think, in 2019, and you had uh, like an open mic night. So are, now that the pandemic is starting to kind of hopefully get a little better, are you going to have any other, you know, events at your bookstore or anything like that in the upcoming future? Uh, yes, we did have uh, stoop music last year, and we will do that again. So when we had the pandemic shutdown or anything and nobody knew whether we were going to open again I just said it's like like why don't we just open up our porch which is just the stoop <laughs> and like you could use the electricity you know plug it in face everything outside and you know so people were like sitting in lawn chairs across the street and like, and they were just listening to live music what used to be inside they were all right. outside and so now people are asking if we're going to have it again and I said as as much as we can we will mm -hmm. and they really loved it but yeah we okay. we look forward to being able to to do things inside that's good well it's good to know you know during the pandemic and after I mean you still have services and you still have some good stuff going on it's awesome so what kind of, you've mentioned this, but what kind of practices have you been taking through the pandemic to keep uh, operating and to keep your customers safe? Well, it's, it's really tough because people, they just, they just didn't believe. You don't believe until there's someone like right next to you who suffers through it. And so we, we were totally closed for a long time and then we were also just doing internet orders or curbside pickup or we could we would run things to the post office and have them sent out but when we are able to open up which we did and all of us the the staff wear masks and we have signs up that say if you get up please wear your mask we have cleaning stations that you know people can clean their tables, they can clean their chairs, they can clean their hands. We have masks that we can give out. There are a lot of people who would rather leave than wear a mask. So that's unfortunate. And now, of course, with people getting their vaccines, which is great, but you still have to practice a lot of safety measures. And it's a little bit tough. Just stay eight books apart. We are at 202 West 1st Street in Dixon, and that's on the corner of Hennepin and 1st. And if you put in the address, 202 West 1st Street, Dixon, and it's the zip is 61021, it, will, it should come up on any kind of GPS. But we're right downtown, so please come visit us. Okay, well, thank you so much. Well, we really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Ask a librarian. So the question is, is Odell haunted? I mean, yeah. Is no, Odell haunted? I, I really wanted to know. No. I mean, I've been here for five years, so I mean, I think I would know if places were haunted or not, but I thought it might be, I, I don't know, I thought it'd be a funny question to ask. I don't think it's haunted. Like, I've been here, like, after hours quite, quite often. In the dark. In the dark. And I've always been, like... Mm -hmm. Like, I don't get any, like, creepy feelings. No, I, so, feel, I feel at peace here. I, I feel the same. I've never felt threatened by any pr presence in the room. Or plus, like, this building used to be an old school. So, if there are ghosts, it'd be, like, 
children but or to maybe be a ghost teacher. But to, but to be a ghost, you have to die in the place that you are exactly. a ghost, right? Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody's yes. died at Odell. I don't think anyone's died at Odell but or at the school that used to be here, so... But but not just the building, the land. <gasps> That's what so, always gets me with ghosts, because they can be died on the land here. And we came and built this building on top of it. Well. So there theoretically could be ghosts, but if there were, I don't think they would be very harmful. I think, and the reason why I asked this question is because we were talking about Ghostbusters the other day. And you know that scene in the first Ghostbusters movie where like there's a ghost in the library and she's like super cranky and mean and she oh, yeah. like terrifies a little librarian and like moves books around on the shelves and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's I think what triggered this. I just wanted to know if we had a little ghost. I don't think we do. Sometimes we get phone calls and we pick them up and nobody's there. That's the spookiest thing that happens. Yeah. But to be honest, like that could just be a call not coming through or kids or calling us. And mm-hmm. Our or logical or explanation is a ghost. And we have a lot of old records in the building. So if somebody is attached to those. You, you mean to say that there's probably like a ghost attached to a microfilm reel? Or one of the old books we have in the genealogy <gasps> room. Don't we have it, a really old Bible here? We do. A very, very That'll old Bible. That'll get you a spirit. <laughs> I will personally guarantee you that. Emily is convinced that there is some kind of ghost. I would not mind if we did have a haunting, but Krista says no. So that concludes Ask a Librarian. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a question for Tech Talk or Ask a Librarian, send us an email with the subject line between the stacks at ask.odell.library at gmail.com. That's it for this episode. Tune in on May 10th for the next episode. And until then, happy reading! Between the Stacks is hosted by Gillian Larson, Krista Mapes, and Emily Lenore. This episode was written by Gillian Larson and Emily Lenore, with editing and audio production by Emily Lenore. <laughs> Special thanks to our guests, Carolyn Chin, the entire Odell Library staff, library board, and Friends of Odell. Thanks to all our wonderful patrons who support the library, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast.